Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The federal government has a plan to create a regulator for the internet. Now, the regulator would, as I understand it, have the power to block websites. And a submission on the plan from Twitter compared it to actions taken by human rights ignoring governments like those of China, North Korea, and Iran. Minority groups in Canada, including the National Council of Canadian Muslims, have also expressed great concern. Meanwhile, the Heritage Minister, uh, Pablo Rodriguez, kept many submissions from public view until University of Ottawa law professor Michael Geist got a hold of them through an access to information request and posted the documents online. Professor Geist joins us on the Roy Green Show. Professor, thank you very much uh, for coming on the program. How much of a challenge was it to get that information? Well, it was more of a time issue than a, than a challenge in terms of them not being willing to cough it up. Uh, as I'm sure you know, the, the system doesn't work very well in Canada right now. And as soon as it became clear that the government wasn't prepared to release the submissions, which I I must say, I think came as a surprise to many, frankly, of the participants who submitted with the expectation that it would be made public. You'd think that if you participate in a public consultation, those comments would be made public. So I immediately launched an access request. And as unfortunately seems to often be the case, you just wait months and months and months and months. And and finally, it, it showed up this week. Sometimes it seems to me as though they're wishing and hoping that a person who's doing what you did will run out of interest and maybe time. And again, it's not the first time that uh, the government has pushed for the power to regulate Internet content. Can you give us just a maybe 60 seconds worth of background on this? Yeah, sure. So this is part of what's really a three-part strategy for the government when it comes to internet regulation, two of which have moved forward and are currently before the House of Commons. So some of your listeners may remember the the battle or controversy over Bill C-10 last year, the online streaming bill that's now come back as Bill C-11 and still includes the possibility of some regulations for user-generated content. There's also the Bill C-18, which is the Online News Act. It deals with payments from platforms for news organizations, including radio and even the CBC. And then there's this third piece, which initially they were calling online harms. They've now rebranded it a little bit as online safety. Uh, But they had initially planned to put it forward as a bill when things got controversial last year around C-10, they held off, put forward a consultation where it was pretty clear this was intended to be a bill. They didn't really ask, what do you think, as much as here's what we're planning to do, give us some feedback. And they've now pumped the brakes a little bit by say, by recognizing that there was quite a lot of criticism. So they've struck a new panel to examine some of these issues. So Twitter, in their submission, argued that uh, if they did what they were planning on doing, if I understand this correctly, would place the Trudeau government in the company of China, North Korea, and Iran. Is that correct, or is it an overstatement? And, And really, what is the danger of what they're doing? 
Well, listen, I think that in some ways the, the proposal that they put forward, and again, I want to reiterate, this is what they intended to put forward as a bill, even though I think thankfully now there's some willingness to reexamine some of that, took in many ways the worst of what we've seen in some other places. And so Twitter's comments, but it's not only Twitter, it's certainly many of the platforms, but it is also many civil liberties groups and many of the very groups, the marginalized groups and vulnerable groups that you would have thought would be supportive of this legislation who all expressed serious concern. And where those kinds of comments are coming from was a vision, for example, of 24-hour takedown requirements without effective due process or website blocking in the name of keeping people safe, but mandating that ISPs engage in that kind of site blocking. And so when Twitter says, listen, we've seen this kind of thing play out before, and it's typically in countries like China and North Korea that use online safety as a guise for censorship or for blocking content, I think some of those parallels, frankly, are pretty obvious. So for the average person then who uses social media and is online a fair bit, and the average person who doesn't really want to come into contact and is concerned about doing anything that might bring them into contact with the government, is this, uh, would, would this serve as an intimidator for, for people like this, that this regulation, if it came through the way the government wanted it to? Well, you know, there were some proposals that that we had a number of groups. You mentioned the the Muslim Council, but uh, the Canada, the Canada Israel of Jewish Affairs Committee, uh, and others all pointed to significant concerns with this legislation. It really was bringing together a really broad range, broad range of spectrum of. of concerns. And and some of those, I think, really do create legit concerns. I'll give you an example. One of the things that they envisioned was having these platforms uh, engage in proactive monitoring of comments that are made and where their systems turned up what they thought might be a violation to proactively and on an automated basis notify law enforcement. Well, many groups said, listen, if you're going to rely on AI, artificial intelligence based systems that we know have some biases built in and use that as the basis potentially for notifying law enforcement on an automated, regular basis without context, that puts many of the same groups that you say you're trying to protect at risk. If uh, the documentation that you obtained uh, after pursuing the access to information request if that had not been available, if it were not posted online by you, how much would we have lost out on? Well, listen, the, the government put out uh, what we heard report. So they didn't shy away from the fact that there was criticisms. And then, as I, as I noted earlier, they have taken the step of creating a panel to review. But I have to say that that having read that what we heard report and then now seen some of the submissions that were not previously publicly available, they they at best undersold the criticism. And I think at worst, frankly, misled because that criticism was certainly much more significant than I think even the acknowledgement that there was criticism suggests. And there's also an element of both removing the names of who actually was submitting. So it doesn't have quite the same power when you don't tell who who actually said some of the comments that they said. And by paraphrasing, rather than, you know, using the direct examples, for example, Twitter likening at least some of the proposal to what they see in authoritarian governments, that needless to say, didn't make it into the what we heard report. 
forward. And so I think some of us, including myself, who said, you know what, it seems like they've done a pre- pretty reasonable job in highlighting what they heard and, and the way they now want to move forward, now certainly have second thoughts because having not seen that full scope of documentation that the government kept hidden until released through this access to information request, suddenly now you get the fuller picture and you learn just how large the concern was for so many groups about what the government had in mind. Yeah, three words we don't want to hear. Government kept hidden. So so what now, Professor Geist? What, what happens now? Well, I suppose there's really two elements to that question. One is the online safety, online harms piece. And so on that front, there is a panel that is taking a look at these issues. I, I must say, I find it surprising that they didn't even provide these submissions to the panel itself. One would have thought that, you know, as part of their study, it would be useful to hear what, you know, thousands of Canadians and dozens of organizations had to say. And so now they'll get access via this ATIP request. But it's odd that the department wouldn't have made that information available to the panel as well. well. We'll expect to see something coming out of that panel and then presumably some legislation, I suppose, in the fall. But meanwhile, the other legislation marches on. Bill C-11, the online streaming bill, and Bill C-18, the online news bill. And I would argue that in some ways they're cut from the same cloth in that to the extent to which the government sees the need to make trade-offs between freedom of expression and some of the other due process issues as against concerns about what's taking place online, they side with concerns. And so that's where you see a, a much more stronger regulatory-oriented approach, often with the CRTC playing a significant role. And so uh, we should be clear. There's an element there that is being rethought, but there are other elements that bear some of the same kind of resemblance in terms of being the only country, for example, to regulate user-generated content in this way, being the only country to say that even facilitating access to news requires payment. Those are the kinds of things that I think also ought to be rethought because they're they're all coming from that same vision of internet regulation. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.